Okay, welcome back to the Sink or Swim podcast. You might notice in this episode that there is a lack of uh, students in this episode. Uh, that is because they're all busy taking their exams or just didn't want to be part of this episode. I, maybe, not, I don't know. Um, but today is, a, I'm going to call it the course director happy hour. Right. Woo. Yeah. So we have a, a, well, I'm a former course director, maybe research. I don't know if that matters. At least the students, maybe. Uh, But we have three (laughs) other uh, course directors here. Uh, Most M1s should be pretty familiar with them. And I'm going to have them go around and introduce each other. So let's start with Dr. Wrench. Hi. It's a pleasure to be here today. And my name is Algevis Wrench. I went to school to the University of Florida with a graduated with a PhD in microbiology and cell sciences, and I course direct the fundamentals course. Then we'll go to Dr. Mashakova. Hi. Hello, also a pleasure to be today. I'm Anastasia Mashakova. Many students ask me where I was born. I was born in Kazakhstan. (laughs) It was the USSR when was that, so I'm very old. (laughs) <laughs> it's not that old no, yeah. then I moved to Russia uh, and I got my master there and from Russia I got a scholarship in Germany for Max Planck Research Institute so I got my PhD in neuroscience and also completed the graduate program in chemical biology and after that I moved to beautiful Miami Beach and I worked <laughs> at the University of Miami for my postdoc so and then um I got an offer to come to NSU. So I've been here for about 12 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I am, uh, this is the first year that I'm co-director of Fundamentals course. And last but not least, right? Hi, my name is Samiksha Prasad. You guys know me. I have given some lectures in Fundamentals already, and some of you will see me in him as a course director but before that my background is in microbiology i did my phd from university of florida but before that i was i was born and grew up in new delhi india where i also did my bachelor's in technology and i came here in 2011 and since then i've been here in florida and i moved to nsu five years ago so happy to be here Thank you, everybody. I'm definitely just stalling right now for time because I don't know what we're going to talk about today. But uh, (laughs) sort of do, right? Uh, But the the goal, uh, hopefully, if you're still listening, uh, you didn't tune out. Brad, I know you're still listening. um, (laughs) Is to, you know, get a perspective from about the courses, everything that's run at medical, the NSUMD or medical schools in general, from the perspective of the course director. uh, Because uh, course directing is a unique experience, I think, in uh, higher academia particularly for medical schools. Like the, the name gets thrown around a lot uh, in other schools, but I don't think it really is quite the level of expectation uh, that we see in medical school. Uh, I guess, uh, Dr. Wrench, could you explain to me what you your perspective of what is a course director? Yes, so <laughs> to me, a course director is someone who not only puts the course together, but has to run it efficiently. And he has to be sure to recollect all of the content for the course from the different faculty. We have to train the faculty on how to best approach the materials that need to be presented in the course, making sure that uh, they are connected with our educational program objectives and they are uh, strictly mapped to all the learning objectives for each session. So that was one side of it. Uh, We also have to be sure that we follow the students individually so that they are um, going doing well in the course but at the same time we are able to provide any feedback to those specific students that so that they can do well within the course Uh, we also do a lot of mapping which is not fun sometimes Um, super fun (laughs) (laughs) and within the curriculum and on daily activities where i find it um, most rewarding is the connection that you make with the students on a daily basis and just being there for them when they need when they need it and seeing uh, their faces when they um, are learning the material and you can really see that difference. Oh, that's, that's, I think that's great. Uh, Dr. Prasad, Dr. Mashakova, any other thoughts on that? 
Really yeah, good. pretty much yeah. Dr. Wrench summarized it like, very yeah, well. Um, I think other than that, it's just daily troubleshooting. So if there's any fire, it's the course director's responsibility, at least the first line of defense to, you know, put it out. And yeah, so uh, just monitoring students if they need anything or if there's any requests which are made, all of those need to be um, taken care of by the course director as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I think from the perspective of being the fundamentals director for the first year, the fun part was for me when the course has not started yet, just to learn about the process. And we had some uh, ability and a little bit of power to integrate the course, to think about how the sessions flow and so that we can effectively address the objectives. So I got to know some faculty much better. And of course, as Dr. Prasad and Dr. Range mentioned, the most rewarding is that I got to know all the students better. <laughs> you know, I was, uh, as everyone knows, <laughs> did the fundamentals for a little while. Um, and I, I found all those things to be true. Um, but I also found that uh, the student's perception of it is not always what you hope it to be. Um, I think I got the concept that I'm like what the eye of Sauron kind of thing that I'm just all watching you better not do anything evil or you're gonna get in trouble kind of thing professionalism pair forms I don't know I'm just gonna say a bunch of words and probably will give you shivers if you're listening to this um, but you know that's part of the what we have to do um, I think all of you have had other nicknames probably too I don't know hey I've heard a couple before the start I don't know if you want to share those yeah, but. so I heard yesterday that I've been called mother goose to my, to my knowledge, that's the only nickname that I'm aware of. <laughs> Mother, you know, hopefully nothing bad. Uh, do not share them in the uh, in the comments for this. Um, no, please do. I want to know. <laughs> I don't know if that. No. <laughs> I would say we cut that out, but we're not going to cut yeah. that. Out, but this um, But yeah, I mean, what's your perception though? Because um, I don't think that you. We, I never did that in any other course that I handled in my postdoc and the like. Uh, where professionalism was something that we had to monitor, uh, but that is something that's heavily weighed in um, medical school, uh, even graded. Uh, so what's your experiences with that? Do you, <laughs> I don't know if any, yeah. I think for professionalism is one of the biggest tasks that we have as course director, because it's something that we need to keep track on on the daily basis during every session, during every single time that something is happening and there are various factors that are involved with professionalism so there are many different things that we need to keep track of and i think the students may not see that perspective from us so doing um, making sure that they understand our point of view i think it's important uh, for them to understand that way we can both do it cohesively right if they understand what the expectations are the, or the role that we have in um, following those expectations and those policies, I think we can both cohesively work together, making sure that, you know, we don't step over the line into what may be unprofessional. And something that we emphasized in fundamentals uh, during our orientation was that what specific guidelines we needed to follow and what were the expectations from the students in terms of professionalism. But um, in my opinion, it's one of the hardest things we have to do, just keeping track of every single student and making sure they are behaving professionally and making them understand more so the importance of it and how that is going to play in, the f in their future, not only in medical school, but later on when they are clinicians too. Very fair. Any other yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, I in fact, I think a competency-based curriculum like we have here definitely gives a chance for the students to develop these skills. And this is, would be the first time they're being um, held responsible for it in a term of, you know, grading and things like that. So I think it's a very good chance for them to um, hone those skills and course directors play a major role in just you know guiding the students if they are um, you know seeing doing something which might not be considered professional to just guide them and I hope that it never escalates to a point where it has to be taken to a further step to either SMS which is student monitoring committee uh, or uh, SPAC which is student progress and advising committee 
Uh, so I, ho I hope that the course directors and students can work together to build these skills. And that's like the most important uh, relationship which you can make because I think medical knowledge is something you can get from many books in many different places. But I think professionalism is something which, you know, the faculty student relationship really builds it out. So that's what I think as a course director. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. So one thing I wanted to point out, hopefully the students know this because they have access to all the competencies on their student handbook and the like, so please <laughs> check them out if you don't, um, is that it's ethics and professionalism. So ethics is one thing, I mean, just knowing the broad ideas of you know how to handle a patient and how to not kill a patient in an, ethic, an ethical way. That seems probably something that students <laughs> understand. Like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do those things. Like, oh, you probably shouldn't disclose all the patient's information and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But the the part that I think sometimes misses the professionalism aspect, mm -hmm. and that, and I don't know about all of you, but I'll just speak because I'm no longer course director is. I didn't personally care if a student turned in something late or was or was even late, but personally, I didn't take offense to that ever. Um, but it will hurt them in the long run if mm -hmm. they do that. And really why we monitor these and we give that feedback in pre-clerkship is that if you do those things and you don't adjust that behavior, it will have consequences in your job down the road because that's mm -hmm. what we're training you for is a job. And I, I can tell you personally, I know somebody that was a resident that was chronically late and they lost their job because they were chronically late, nothing else. And not even that late, like minutes or so late. At least that's what he said. I don't know if he was lying. So, <laughs> you know, but it's just something to consider is that like, you know, I think we come off as uh, scary boogeyman kind of yeah, people. You know, actually, that was the first time in my life that I was described as intimidating. Been there. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> Yeah, usually I'm like, oh, nice. And Dr. Mashikova is coming great fun for my other courses where I don't have to monitor the professionalism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But here, yeah, I heard <laughs> intimidating. I, I appreciate that so much because <laughs> I, 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 even this course now, I was a facilitator and I, I made the joke of, oh, the students used to be afraid of me and now they're not. And they can't even understand why would they be afraid of you? And I'm like, oh, no, they... They, I don't, maybe afraid is a strong word, yeah. maybe annoyed, peeved, whatever. Uh, yeah, please, you can chat me if you, whatever other words you think are appropriate, but keep it professional. But uh, yeah, I, I sympathize with that because uh, it's a different realm. And then when you're in, in, as a course director, especially early on, it's like after that, you still interact with students. So you want to make sure that like they can see you as something beyond a course director. And that could be hard sometimes, I think, to do i don't know have you have you're about to experience that so yeah. good luck but have you uh, dr Prasad, dr ranch have you experienced that how do you have you like how do you like uh code switch out of like course directing when you're not a course director if you're like an advisor or a mentor for research how do you how do you do that or how do you signal so i just try to make sure the students understand my different responsibilities and make it clear that under this responsibility, this is what I do versus this other role, this mm -hmm. is what I do, uh, and kind of transition that way. I think that has worked for me so far, uh, just making sure they understand my responsibilities and what that role may be and how I can fulfill that in making those connections with them. Yeah, I agree. I think just clear communication based on whatever role or whichever hat you're wearing I think really works. But yes, it would be a little, at least in the beginning, it might be a little awkward to go from course director to directly into a research mentor or just a mentor or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that has happened to me because I am a PBL facilitator for Geiner in mm -hmm. the winter. Mm -hmm. And so at first the students are more closed off. They're not really as vocal. They still look at me all a little bit like hesitant to, you know, just be themselves because they may think like I'm keeping an eye on them as much as I did as a course director. So it took them a little bit for them to really open up and be more themselves and see me in, in a different role. Right. Yes. Spring semester, winter semester, whatever you call it. It's like a redemption arc. It's like, oh, you know, I'm not so bad, right? Right? I'm okay. <laughs> um, I, you, you probably have more success than I will with it, but yeah. Um, okay, that's uh, that's one element of it. What about, I guess, um, let's step back a bit. Can you give me all of you like a, 
idea of uh, your background. What did you do before you came here? Um, why did you decide to come here? All that kind of stuff. And let's start with Dr. Versado. Let's just go. I'll do it. <laughs> she did not want to go first, but too bad. We had a pact. <laughs> Sorry. We're still streaming. <laughs> um, yeah, so before this, I was actually uh, a po doing my postdoc at University of Florida, and I was really looking into faculty positions. And when this opportunity came about, which came about in a very serendipitous way, um, I really jumped on it. And uh, it was nice because it's a new school. And uh, with new school, there are definitely growing pains, but at the same time, you also get all these new things which you can do, and um, that was exciting. So I joined, and um, at least when I joined, uh, we also had College of Medical Sciences at NSU, and uh, we were teaching multiple different healthcare professions, which we still do a little bit, um, not to that extent. And that was also another fascinating aspect of it to be teaching such a wide variety of healthcare professional programs. So that's what I was doing. Ah, thank you. <coughs> you mentioned it a bit. You were at Max Planck Institute, then UM, right? Um, so Max Planck was in Germany, yeah. and then I came for postdoc at UM. It was kind of organic transition into teaching because uh, my... Um, research advisor he didn't want to teach anymore so i got some lectures from him to teach was some cell biology and then the word got around that there is a postdoc who likes to teach <laughs> <laughs> and i got some yeah, histology then a little bit of neuroanatomy and then i got invited to teach part-time at bari for cell biology and then um i just heard about the position open here and um so I applied and I'm here. <laughs> oh, great. I think uh, early on, were you like uh, like here part-time and then here? Because every once in a while I'd be like, oh, she researches at UM, but then she teaches here. And I was like, is she a faculty <laughs> or not? I don't, eventually yeah, I knew it officially yeah. you were, but I didn't know if there was like a limbo yeah, zone. Yeah, because I had an official collaboration and a grant right, yeah. where I got to work a little bit at UM. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. well, that's cool. We got a grant at least. That's more than I can say about myself. But okay. right. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. So after I graduated, I um, looked for opportunities for research, but they were very limited and very competitive. Mm. At the same time, I looked for teaching opportunities where I was more um, lucky to have some, and that's where I started my career straight up for teaching. I've started teaching in a technical college in Texas, um, then I moved to Florida with my family and I started teaching mainly microbiology and cell sciences for nursing students and other um, healthcare professionals as well for about three to four years. And then I learned about the position that NSU had and I applied to it and the transition from my previous institution to NSU. I started teaching here. And what drove me here was the ability to teach a large group of students. I was used to, to teach a smaller class, but uh, that would give me more experience to teach large group of students. Although it's more challenging teaching so many students sometimes. <laughs> and a lot more grading too. Um, yeah. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. But then from there, yeah, I've I been here since 2017. All right. Um, you know, I think something that's not appreciated by our medical students, because it's a small cohort, of, as you mentioned, um, but this is also very much a teaching school. Uh, there is, there's, some re uh, there's some research, but it's mostly a teaching institution. Um, I. Well, if you listen to older podcasts, you'll know which postdoc I was in and what institution. Uh, but before coming here, I actually did have experience at course directing, not because I should have been a course director, but because that's what my advisor gave me because they were the course director. So I was turfed a lot of stuff because I was, I was a postdoc, and that's what you do as a postdoc <laughs> is you do all the, the grunge work. Um, and I think what's not appreciated is that like as much as that institution was fairly prestigious, the students didn't get nearly as much contact time with contact experts as you might think from the outside. Uh, so I do think that NSU offers something rather unique for the students in that like you, we do have a lot of this one-on-one. -on -one. We have mentors that actually are available to talk with. 
uh, you actually get feedback uh, from people that have experience in academia. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a rare thing. It's, I mean, maybe hopefully it's a growing thing in academia, but it's still fairly uh, hard to find in my professional opinion, if you want to call it professional. Uh, but moving uh, conversations over, I'm trying to find other topics to talk about. I'm not stalling, I swear. <laughs> um, tell me, uh, so as a course director, course directors, um, I guess all of you, for the most part, you're in the, the M1 year. You're, uh, Dr. Versailles, you're doing some of the M2 for step one. Um, what is probably your least favorite part of it? <laughs> <laughs> this is an interview question that you ask for the people in residencies. So you have to do it too. What's the, we can edit it out if you need to. <laughs> I'm not going to. Though. I think that my least favorite part is when you're assigning grades. Mm. And you have to really look at the data. And unfortunately for some students, that might be failure. Mm -hmm. And you have to be the messenger of that information. And so that will be my least favorite part as course director. That's, I, agree, I can agree with, agree with that, yeah. Um, similar, are you gonna be like, yeah, me too? Yeah, no? probably echo on that a little bit because we know that all of our students work very hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're all trying to find the methods of studying which works best for them. Unfortunately, that can be that some failures happen and communicating about those failures that can be a little bit challenging. Yeah. No, that's I fair. agree. I think, you know, that's the biggest one. I think everybody would agree because that's the one which is the most uh, challenging as well as you're invested in these students after f being with them for a couple of weeks or m months. <laughs> so yeah. since yeah. August. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it definitely adds that challenge. It's almost like you were telling your own, you know, uh, very close close people yeah. that you know yeah. that uh, there's some challenges which are lying ahead and it's always a difficult thing to break this bad news yeah that's totally fair i would agree that the bad news thing is not fun especially uh you know as you said it's data driven it's based on their outcomes mm -hmm. so you are acting on something that you know is well, the writing is there um but it's not fun being the person that has to give the bad news and it's not fun to process that and not, you know all that kind of stuff so it's um something else to add to least favorite is having to do all the grading <laughs> in a short period of time oh that's fair the short period of time part i get i actually i, I love excel spreadsheets so i have no problem with the grade <laughs> the data thing i'm just like oh yeah no, the, in the grading part is not bad it's just it's such a constrained time to make sure we give the students their their grades in a you know turnaround in a short period of time and so the class doesn't stop. It's not like we have the whole time during the day to grade. We still have class. We still have to teach. We still have meetings <laughs> to do. We still have to prepare for whatever we need to do the following day and on top of the grading. So doing that grading in such a short period of time can be challenging and tiring. You know, it actually reminds <laughs> me, uh, a student, I forget what year it was, asked, I, I gave him like a makeup uh, IRAT or something and it was just one on one and it finished and he leaves and he's like oh so you just go home after this right and I was like <laughs> yeah <laughs> no um, so I, I do think sometimes that students don't appreciate everything behind the scenes that right. you all have to do to make the show run which makes it all the more disappointing too when like you see these little flaws that happen with like tech not mm -hmm. launching the right way or you know whatever it might be the quiz doesn't like perfectly launch and it's like, oh, it's the end of the world. It's like, oh, yeah, but <laughs> there was a lot of effort just to get that be the only issue uh, that you had to deal with. So I don't know if you have any comments on that, um, you know. Oh, 100%, <laughs> the te Zoom, te any kind of technology has always, at least once, uh, given up on at the time of the show kind of yeah. thing. So yes, troubleshooting that, figuring that out. Um, you know, yeah. even though it's been two years with Zoom, sometimes you do have times and audio is not working. And then you're calling IT, you're trying to maneuver it. You have, um, so yeah, just troubleshooting all those things is not fun. But at the same time, uh, I have seen students who have, who have been very proactive in, you know, helping that out or finding solutions to it. So I think that really helps as well. So 
thank you students who've helped in the past and will help in the future. <laughs> you know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's important to, as course director, get to the class, to the classroom early enough. Mm -hmm. We had an instance where the microphone were just disconnected and then you open the the panel and it's like a hundred different buttons and oh, yeah. cables going through and you have no idea what's how to even connect the microphone and you have to call IT and it takes them a while to get there plus troubleshooting mm -hmm. and then you need to start the class on time so getting there early to make sure everything is running properly is something to keep in mind don't get me started on the secret rooms behind the DeSantis uh, 3000 <laughs> oh yeah making like, noises like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, there's a lot that, a lot of extra things that go into it, a lot of planning that goes into it. And um, I mean, honestly, the original iteration of fundamentals, it was like I don't know, eight months in the works planning with that. And then you launch it and it's like, ah, this is so many problems. And it's like, we knew that'd be something, but it's kind of like, oh yeah, all right, <laughs> that's cool. All the technology changes on us. Something, you know, they the add tech, another yeah. check that you, this checkbox wasn't checked because now we've added this new thing. So, you know, and that messes up the whole flow of the session. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's as small as that, but it can really disrupt the session. So just taking care of all those minute details is the issue sometimes. Yeah, Nova Security isn't any joke. <laughs> IT, at least. Um, I assume the regular, too, but I don't know. I haven't had any issues there. I've um, been to an auditorium which was just logged at for an ADM class. Just logged. And I'm like, okay, let's find another auditorium, I guess. That happened in the Santis, too. I had to call them to come and unlock it for me. It took them 30 minutes for them to get there, too. <laughs> So get there early. <laughs> I had three different devices just to get my polar everywhere, and all of them weren't working. <laughs> so it's like, and it's like, uh, well, because well, of new layer. I had to go the day before to set up the pole everywhere for the Santa's room, so to make sure it works for oh, everyone. Oh, you got the, the yes. free gaming to Santa's <laughs> responsibility. I was wondering who had that. <laughs> make, and also making sure the tables were arranged properly. Yeah. Never know when there's a party, uh, like a... <laughs> 8, 8, 8 p.m. that night in DeSantis because that's where it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, for anyone wondering, no relation to the governor. It, it, I'd check that. It's a totally different person. Oh, really? I is. always thought it was the governor. No, no. I, I thought I thought of even real, like, I don't know, a grandfather or something. No. That's no. what I thought. Totally different okay. person. No. Okay. Good to know. No. Yeah. I mean, people have the same last names. It's fine. <laughs> um, okay. Well, then, uh, moving topics. I'm curious what your perspective is, because uh, uh, we talked before we started recording about active learning. You know, it's fairly novel in medical school. Um, I don't think a lot of other academic institutions have anything quite like it. Maybe PhD programs, because they're sometimes they're small enough. Um, but you know, what's your perspective with active learning, and I guess the large amount of feedback that you are responsible for as course directors. Uh, Hello. Hopefully positive. <laughs> it's good. So I think the amount of active learning provided by NSDMD is great for the students. We have our curriculum where it's this is to me highly valued. Um, there are some students who prefer, you know, more lecture based type of sessions, which we also have in a sense, but not as much as active learning. But for the students to really engage in this type of curriculum they need to be aware that, first of all, they come here knowing that this is our curriculum ahead of time. And so that they can wrap their mind around it and understand that this is uh, active learning, a lot of the time self-directed learning as well. And through this process, we provide them feedback on how they're learning and how they're doing. Um, in our course, probably that happens two, two times formally. Um, in some cases, even more in, informal type of uh, feedback as well, that the students may come to us and just ask us how they're doing and how they can improve. But when you compare that to other programs here at NSU, for example, I also course direct uh, the dental college, the dental microbiology course, and this is a purely lecture-based course. Uh, we have tried to introduce some case-based learning 
throughout different sessions, but the curriculum itself is just lecture-based, and the students have provided feedback that the cases that we provide really en engage them and enhance their learning. So you can see in that perspective of the students learning how active learning is a beneficial form of learning to them than simply passive with lectures. Yeah. Fair. Any other thoughts? Yeah. No, no, I agree. <laughs> I, I would have loved more active learning. I mean, like you said, that there were some, P in my PhD program, there were some modules which were more active learning based, but I would have loved more because I enjoy them too. And I hope that the stu most students I've seen provide the feedback that they do enjoy it. And like you were asking about the feedback, I think that's, again, a very valuable resource, which I don't think you get to have it in the previous portion of your academic careers. This is probably the first time when you're giving evaluations to your peers, receiving evaluations from your peers and from the course directors, of course. And I think that's really valuable insight, which is given at a regular basis. And you can actually, if you really use it and utilize it, you can really put together to really hone up your skills. And other than that, I think um, overall, I have, I know some medical schools actually have entire syllabus, the 100% active learning type of syllabus. Mm -hmm. And that's also enjoyable. Um, I think we have a very good mix right now. And there's, of course, which we can optimize it further. But as of now, I think it really works for our students. I mean, it shows in our scores. So that's mm -hmm. good. It's always above <laughs> national averages. Actually, that, since you say it, though, I, I feel like a lot of the reason that you turn towards like this kind of learning rather than the pure didactic or just you need to know this, show up in the exam in a year and a half and good luck, <laughs> um, is that I, I think at least higher academia is moving away from these standardized exams. Mm -hmm. um, we have pass-fail step one. Um, I th I'm pretty sure if program directors try to weaponize step two, that's going to go the same way. Uh, don't quote me on that, students. Uh, everyone having like a panic attack. They're not actually listening to this right now, so I can say whatever I want, um, <laughs> including the exam questions. Oh, it got cut out of this. Sorry, but um, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if they're gonna like that joke or not. But whatever. Uh, so um, anyway, I, I do think that like there has to be a shift towards something a little more applicable to their career. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they. We're competency-based, as we said earlier, uh, but I think most students will be very familiar with the expectations, even though they're all told, of uh, medical knowledge without any hesitation. It's multi-choice exam, anatomy, practical, whatever. Probably when they enter in patient care, they mm -hmm. can at least get a, their mind around it. Mm -hmm. But I, I do think it takes a lot of extra work, not just for students, but for faculty as well, to understand what you need behind the rest of those competencies. Like what do you really want out of a student that is successfully competent in interpersonal skills and communication? Um, and, you know, it might sound like it's easy to de de define with the words and mm -hmm. the objectives, but it has to be meaningful. Uh, so the more that you incorporate it in, that, in the activities, these active sessions, and observe how they're interacting, how they're communicating, the more you can be sure that they're actually competent. Um, and, you know, I think some students like that, some students. And this Don't. is where feedback can be helpful because yeah. sometimes they may not be self-aware of certain things that they are doing that they think it's it's okay in their in their active learning process, mm -hmm. and they may be disrupting that process for others, and they're still learning that process. Mm -hmm. And this is where observing and feedback is very helpful, where you can provide that to the students, and they, again they may not be aware what they're doing as they're developing those attributes as self-awareness and that can lead them to be more engaged with the process and actually engage everyone else within that process as they can you know control and get their feedback and learn from that feedback yeah no it's fair and at the end of the day medicine field is a people's you know you mm -hmm. have to be a people's person to be practicing it well, so um, I think these competencies help you in those interactions, not just with your peers and colleagues, but also with your patients, you know, building trust, building uh, interprofessional environment within where you're working. All these competencies really come into play. And I think active learning provides that platform to start developing those skills and, you know, interacting with your peers in that way so that you really 
working out those skills. Yeah, I agree because I'm also a course director for KPCOM hmm. course, so physiology course, and there I received the grades and it's 458 students. <laughs> wow, wow. Because we also have a campus in Clearwater. Right. So, right. and of course, there, even though I tried with my best with some students, uh, there's not possible to form any relationship. And of course, the course, it's mostly lectures, even though we try to introduce some active learning, it's still mostly purely didactic lectures. So it's a completely different experience of the first year medical school. Yeah. And I think that's too more traditional too, because it's not just DO, but like M there's a lot of MD schools out there that are still mm -hmm. purely didactic, I, uh, way more than I expected. Uh, that are I would say probably majority still have just purely didactic, and maybe a handful of little uh, activities that they do, but not necessarily assessed in any way. I think that's shifting. Um, but as it shifts, I'm kind of curious on everyone's thoughts with this, is that the, the movement away from what I think is a movement away from standardized exams and more just this like rogue memorization or just deep, you know, knowing all these like concepts and nitty gritty towards something where you need to be able to look it up and think critically about it. One, it shifts it more to like kind of what a PhD is, uh, but, and two, it kind of changes the role of the, the faculty, like the, the, the course director, the teacher, whoever, um, to something that's more like a, well, as you say in PBL, a facilitator. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder, how do you feel about that? All of you are just voicing your opinions on it, on that maybe being the future of what um, being a professor is, is not really teaching, but mentoring and guiding. 100%, I mean, I joined, I wanted to be a faculty member because of that thing, because you're a constant learner. Mm. And it's not just the learning, again, for us too, it's not just learning of your expertise or the content of it. It's also about how the changing learning environment and the changing learners, what role you need to play and what kind of, uh, um, you know, teaching per se you would need to be doing and sometimes that teaching is just being a facilitator and letting the students think critically and discuss and problem solve their way out of something and re re um, get become experts themselves without having to you know give this one-way transfer of information <laughs> factually I think um, so I actually like that I like being a uh, uh, adapting to new environments i mean i moved a country <laughs> for that yeah, so <laughs> uh, i think it's good and i think being adaptable is just a good skill not just as a faculty member as a student as a you know physician as anybody any profession i think the more adaptable you are to the changing environment the better it is and the environment is changing i don't think that it's going to stop here it will keep continuing changing so it's if, it, if something is in inevitable might as well embrace it and actually become good at it than just resist it. I think that's my philosophy towards it. And I, I'm always um, open to having more new modalities being introduced in our curriculum. Cool. Yeah. I'm, you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not everything. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, when I also had some experience with purely active learning curriculum, but there, there was some struggle, so had to introduce some lectures as well to guide the students a little bit more. So I think the balance of both, like we have at NSUMD <laughs> at <laughs> this moment, is optimal. I have a follow-up question with that too, but you can. No, you have any more? Like, no, go ahead. Well, the, re the the other thing I had that I we had a previous session I think has aired, it will air by the time this is out, um, is talking about these. Uh, board resources, these boards and beyond, and all these kind of things. I'm curious, I want all of you to weigh in on these different ones, because <laughs> I know you all have opinions. Um, but also, um, you know, a lot of them, as much as students, you'll you hear generally, oh, students don't like lectures and don't like that. Most of those are just lectures. Like, they're just lectures. Um, they're particularly good lectures, I, I think, um, and they gravitate to those. But that is like a really challenging thing, I think, for a faculty member, a teacher, to compete with because those are rehearsed, they're polished, and they're published 
in perfect form. We are live when we do this. So there's going to be like ums and uh and you know, maybe misinterpreting something accidentally on a slide. I've done that. I do that at least once in every session. Uh, more. But yeah, so it's okay to call me out. Um, don't call, well, in a nice way, please. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's really hard to live up to. And if that's like more what everyone is gravitating to is for use, I feel like the inevitable, uh, well, why don't we just focus on this active learning element is really where we have a home um, because they're there. I don't know. And I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I felt that, but um, I mean, my main area of expertise is microbiology, and mm. we all know about sketchy micro, and sketchy. we have to. It's like, but I no. saw I have students who said that. Oh, but I saw this on Sketchy, so <laughs> I feel that yes, that's a resource which students like. Of course, I would like something which is an animated way of explaining me things and make making it stick. Of course, it's nice and I am happy that students use them but I think there should be a more um, supplementary way of looking at things mm. um, depending on the students and their particular comfort level if they enjoy getting a live session and using the re other resources as supplementary good for them and vice versa if they like the resources and they want supplement by the professor who's there and they can make meetings with them and try to clear out any particular doubt that's also great i'm just um trying to ensure that any information you are getting from any resource whether it's you know boards and beyond anything like that just make sure that it's up to date and it is pertinent for what you are studying for if you're studying for your fundamentals exam maybe doing a full step prep is not the way to go for it. But at the same time, if you're doing step prep, maybe some the way you studied for the fundamentals first exam is not the way to go for it again. So maybe that's where our expertise will be lying, that what is the pertinent material and pertinent resource for you to look into it. And the percentages of how much you're looking into the resource versus the you know, lectures and things like that, that can be, I'm pretty sure that the students are best judge of that, I guess. So that's, that's my fair. take on that's that. Fair. Yeah. I think there are certain topics that serve themselves to have a lecture or didactic portion mm -hmm. by a faculty member who can provide an efficient way to transfer that knowledge and show that information in an engaged manner versus other topics that are in a way can be learned through the resources that more resources that are available but at the same time the students i feel like they need more practical aspects of their to their learning where they need to more do application exercises rather than rogue memorization of the information which a lot of these resources focus on like mm -hmm. sketchy for mm -hmm. example oh, and yeah. so they if we have for, uh, certain sessions where we can do more flip classroom where they, we can provide them with slides, for example, and then we come into the classroom together to apply the information. I think that will allow the students to understand better the material and prepares them for their future exams as well. Agreed. Yeah, yeah I mean, out of all the resources that I looked at, not in terms of maybe practical questions, but osmosis is the one that I like, but they are like, um, Dr. Bachman said they are just really good lectures and they are shorter lectures <laughs> than <laughs> we do. Yeah. But in principle, they are just very good polished lectures, but nothing compares to having a, a live expert in the field <laughs> there with you ready to answer the questions. Because in my experience, sometimes just five minutes talking to me in terms of physiology can turn the like failing grade into A for example, mm -hmm. because there are some misconceptions or misunderstandings which could be resolved in a real life conversation in one minute. Yeah. And from that, everything goes smoothly. <laughs> I would recommend one thing though. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, even I do sometimes, for certain things, we increase the speed of the video <laughs> and then listen to it. It is being, I mean, there are studies which are now coming out that that relates to lesser retention of the material. So try to go at normal speed if you have time. <laughs> I, I just slowed down my speech 
so that they have when they go to one half it sounds like my normal, <laughs> normal. Uh, no way, no. there you go no. <laughs> i also think the students need to come up with more ways just as the faculty come with ways to engage them the students should be prepared to engage the faculty as well mm -hmm. so a lot of the time we leave space in between uh, didactic sessions or any sessions that we do for questions and we hear nothing <laughs> I agree with that so much. I, I think that's the biggest misconception with the lectures at our program is that they're designed as if you have prepared for with the material that's provided. Like, it doesn't really serve you too much if you go in there cold. Like it, you're not going to get anything out of that. You're just, they're meant to be overview sessions about the session objectives and the assigned reading. So come to ask questions and everything. I mean, I I don't know about all of you, but the, the sessions I present that are slide set. I intentionally have them so they can end a little earlier than the 15-minute lot because I'm anticipating questions, even though I've been disappointed a lot. But you know, it's that's kind of the idea. And I mean, going as I progress, I've just heavily more leaned towards Q and actual questions mm -hmm. that I've generated just so that there were questions. Um, because you know, the more that you're in this and you see how the students perform and what they were struggling with, you get an idea on the back end what they were missing what gaps they had so you create intentional questions that you will help mediate that but it would be nice if you fixed it before you saw the outcome <laughs> but you know you know so if you're listening students you know the one student that's listening still maybe i don't know just keep that in mind maybe come prepared <laughs> but well the <laughs> class of 2026 kudos to that class you guys do ask a lot of questions i'm gonna just count that as a global <laughs> accolade um so that's a good pair form, yes. if you were, if weren't sure. Um, that's nice to hear. Um, what else? What else are we going to talk about? Other mm. programs. Other programs. Well, we kind of touched on that, right? Okay. I don't know. What do you want to talk about? What, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking that if you want to ask how it's different than the course directing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I've done a little course directing at my other institutions. I've never done one here. So tell me. It's like. How's it different? I mean, without throwing any shade anyway, it's, everything's <laughs> great. Uh, but I meant like workload and the level interaction you have on day to day. The workload, I will say it's less. Mm -hmm. um, we are not required, like if other professors teach within your course, you are not required to be there. Okay. It's more, more self-sufficient in the sense that the faculty member records his own lectures and post them in Canvas. They post all the materials in Canvas on their own. Okay. So it's more... Um, it's less work for the course director. A lot of the times um, it's less also individualized for the students. So we tend not to make that much contact with the students. Although I have tried to implement in some of my courses because of what we do in the MD college to take some of the feedback mechanisms back to those courses as well. And I've seen an improvement in grades and in mentality and in overall in how the students perform and how they engage in the class as well just giving them some feedback in general yeah i agree this go ahead <laughs> <laughs> no i just wanted to say that i also introduced some elements from our nsumd curriculum to the course that they teach to have professions to um, physician assistant and anesthesiologist assistant and um, doctor of physical therapy students so I all have them all together it's uh, about 170 students it's a little bit difficult to introduce the active learning but we tried and we did and we actually did a research project and we have uh, real data that show that it um, significantly improves the performance of the students on the exams I agree. I mean, uh, the course directorship of NSUMD just has more uh, details associated with it just because we are looking at students as an overall you know, leader, basically. Uh, we're looking at many different traits, not just the medical knowledge. Uh, and the exams and the course structure is different, so you're grading them on different kinds of assignments and things of that nature. What I have noticed, at least here in NSU, is that there are other colleges which are much more traditional, so it's didactic lectures with um, 
standardized exams and that's it so that's what Dr. Wrench and Dr. Mashakova also mentioned that there's let little lesser interaction with each individual student. However, as a course director, like you mentioned, Dr. Wrench, Ivan, I have tried to implement certain kinds of you know case-based uh, sessions or sessions with clinicians, uh, you know, to just engage the students more and make it more applicable to their healthcare program. Um, and that has really been uh, received really well, but I think a whole curriculum shift towards actively putting incorporating those changes in the entire curriculum for that program might take a while. And yes, then the course load or the load for the course director would definitely be uh, more similar in other colleges compared to NSUMD. <laughs> That's fair. So again, being very careful what I'm wishing for, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Why yeah. are you trying to do more? <laughs> more work. Yes. <laughs> I would say though, if they like pivot to something like more like a medical school system, they would probably have to have their own internal course directors That's at that true. point. Yeah. That's true. Um, so I mean, it might go that direction, but you know, we'll see. Um, you know, I have a theory too, and I think I've said it before. I feel like a lot of medical school education, like the, the thought behind it, um, the concepts that you implement, is a lot like what you would do in elementary school. And I know that sounds like oh, like children kind of thing, <laughs> but like, no, it, it's- um, It's true. It's true, right? It's like, because in elementary school, and it's sad, it's sad to say it this way, but I've, it's in a lot of literature. Um, elementary school, the focus is on the student. Once mm -hmm. you get to middle school and high school, the focus is on the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And medical school is kind of both of those in some ways. And I feel like it pivots a little back and forth with that. And again, the move with step one being pass fail, I think pushes it more towards whether the students believe it or not, more towards the student and more focused on like the student as a learner rather than just you get a number and you just, you know, you get into a certain rank because you're a number and it doesn't mean much besides the fact that you can sit in a room and study for a long mm -hmm. period of time. Um, so maybe unpopular opinion, I don't know. No, I absolutely <laughs> agree. I think um, a professional program is not just giving you the knowledge about the actual mm -hmm. field of study, but it's also training you to be the professional in that area. So I think the focus has to be on individual as well as the content which is being delivered to them. So I think um, it's definitely the focus is juggling between both of the things. And I think that's a very good thing um, because then students get that very much needed training for a very, very specific profession where certain things need to be very well. And the professional who's practicing that uh, particular profession needs to be very well versed in that particular area. And I kind of think about it like a student that's listening, singular student. Um, <laughs> think of the last time besides medical school um, that you went to speak to a, let's say, a, a principal-like person for whatever, for your career and all that, maybe in high school, I don't know. But Or rather than that, when a teacher has told you you were um, unprofessional or, you know, need improvement with professionalism on a report card, if they do those. And they used to be like... They, they do still. They do, do still. Do. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they do in <laughs> elementary school. I Maybe I should. I don't know. Um, but... Uh, or any of that, like how many times since uh, elementary school into middle school did you have small group activities consistently or sit with an assigned group of people? It's like, you know, it's kind of like being in elementary school again, <laughs> except you're an adult. It's great. It's fun. I'm going to get it like a, a complaints about me calling medical students elementary students. That's <laughs> not what I said. Um, but it is a relearning processes, right? Like, so you join medical, uh, elementary school, you're adjusting to kids that have all sorts of upbringings mm -hmm. that you need to normalize into one kind of thing. And you have to focus on their individual needs to make sure they reach there in an ideal world. Uh, it's the same with medical school. They all come in with different backgrounds, different uh, skill sets, and you have to normalize them and get them to certain expectations. That's super fun and fundamentals. Yeah, that's what that's why I sympathize with my daughter's yeah. teacher. Yeah. I'm like, I know what you're going through. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's funny. But I mean, yeah, so that was I think that 
most of the topics I was hoping to cover here. Um, are there anything like salient points that you wanted to say to students that happen to be listening? I think we already emphasized come prepared for the sessions. So then you're going to get most of it. <laughs> also, just keep in mind, although we are there to assess you and to make sure you fulfill all the policies and requirements, we are also there to help and to guide you. And so don't be hesitant to reach out to us uh, the either email or after a class. We're there to, to speak to you and try to guide you as best as we can. And I would say that as a student, your most um, valuable commodity is your time. So make sure you're investing it in a very nice way in things which will reap out those benefits. Your time is very important and we understand the importance of your time. So thank you for your time today for listening to us. <laughs> and that was our last viewer, cool, uh, <laughs> listener. Uh, but I would just add to that. Uh, students, if you're listening, be nice to your course directors. They work really hard to make sure you have a good curriculum um, as much as possible, something that is uh, organized and little technical flaws as much as they can control. And they are working their butt off on the back end to make sure it's something that is really representative, something that's going to put you up to be successful you know, down the road. Um, it's not always going to be perfect. You can give them feedback. They're open to that. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yes. And you know, hey, if you have some, if you're late, you have professionalism issues, you're gonna have those reported. Uh, it doesn't mean that they think you're a terrible person, at at all. <laughs> um, which I've been, I've actually had people ask me that too. It's like I don't want you to think I'm a bad person. I'm like I don't. I would never think that. These are just little items uh, that you need to improve on. That's it. Um, it's just interesting perspectives. Um, but yeah, just be nice to your course director. <laughs> Um, and that will be very nice. That would be nice, right? <laughs> that could nice. be the session name. Then be nice to your course director. Yeah. I was going to call it a uh, course director happy hour. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought they would like uh, tune into that. Maybe think we're, uh, we're gradually getting drunk as we talk through this. But nope. that's not the case. Disclaimer. <laughs> also, if you were wondering, thanks for studying in the exam, uh, you know, that exam coming up. Some of the answers may or may not be C. So just so you know. <laughs> uh, like, yep. Yeah, there you go. I told you. you gotta, like, It'll be the heme exam. No. <laughs> well, oh, by this time it comes out, you're right. <laughs> I should be like. They just have one exam. Um, well, I mean, they may or may not be C. I don't know. C is an option. There's no two option choices. There's no true false in medical school. I know. Like, right? I don't think there's true false in medical school. Oh. No course that I'm seen. aware of. Nope. All right. Well, uh, I think that's all I had. I'm just going to keep lingering with <laughs> recording this. Um, any, like, final comments? Anything you want to advertise? From no. here to December, just give us feedback. Yes. We, Give feedback. Yeah, anything nice that professional you, feedback. Uh, yeah, professional feedback, anything that you see that in the course that could be improved and how do you see give us some examples of the improvements that you would like to see that's very mm -hmm. important to us to gain that perspective and as you probably talk to m2s we take that very serious mm -hmm. the feedback and we try to implement it as much as uh, we can based on our curriculum guidelines and procedures so yeah give us feedback is very important that's very important to us yeah and we're like you mentioned before we're reachable so yeah. keep that communication going and we are not going help. anywhere after fundamentals and we are still going to be here if you need any help <laughs> always always here <laughs> yep basically well okay i don't think i have anything else this is a i'm trying to think of a high note to end with here um damn i should have had more things to say uh mm, i'm not editing this I'm gonna let it linger. <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> nothing else. No. Um, I guess that's good. I oh, mean, well. You can ask, like in comments, which other course directors you want to meet on the happy hour. Oh yeah, yeah. Email like the sink or swim, uh, the sink or swim podcast at gmail dot com. If there's any other course directors you'd like to be uh, on the podcast and listen to, let us know. Otherwise, I'm just gonna keep having uh, these three back on. 
just talk about the first <laughs> we just M1 keep year. talking about yeah um hopefully we'll get some hits on this but uh i don't think we'll ever be dr daily on he's a oh yeah he's currently our runner a leading runner oh, really oh yeah everyone loves we'll him. never beat that yeah i don't want I, there's, there's no no reason to yeah no, I'm no. not even competing with that. No, no, even I mean, try. you can't. You can't like, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's the end of this podcast then. We hit on that hour, so good enough. Uh, so I want to overlay eventually Samantha and auto-tune saying you're going to sink or swim and all that kind of stuff. But we'll see you next time with more of the uh, MedCast recordings from the students. Bye. 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 Bye, students. <laughs>